You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Robbie Samuels hosts the On the Schmooze podcast. Robbie, tell listeners what to expect from the show. Since 2015, I've interviewed entrepreneurs who overcame challenges to achieve success in their field or industry. Tune in to On the Schmooze to listen as I ask deep questions to elicit untold stories about leadership and networking. And where can people subscribe? Find the show at ontheschmooze.com or on marketingpodcast.net or just search for it wherever you get your podcasts. You heard them. Go subscribe. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy. Tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to The Dev Show. I'm Deborah Eckerling, author of Your Goal Guide and founder of The Dev Method, which is my system for goal setting simplified. My vision is to give you the tools, inspiration, and motivation you need to figure out what you want and help you make a plan to get it. Let's get started. Welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Deborah Eckerling author of Your Goal Guide and creator of The Dev Method for Goal Setting Simplified. And you can't reach your goals on your own, you need your people. So every week I bring in some of my people to dive into the topic of the week on Goal Chat Live. And then it magically becomes an episode of The Dev Show Podcast on the Marketing Podcast Network. So whether you're watching us live or the replay or listening to us, we are glad you are here and choosing your goals. And I... I say this every week. I'm really excited for this conversation. And a great panel today talking about teamwork. We have Jarlena Holly, who I met through Robbie Samuels and his Friday No More Bad Zoom world. So really excited to get to know you better and have you in on this conversation. And Christy Maxfield, who came through our our friend Jess Duell, but you've been on the show before. So I think we can safely you know, call us friends. I would say so. I would hope. If you invite me back, I have to assume that I did something okay. (laughs) Well, you know, and I do like having repeat guests and I like to mix things up and and put people on different panels together. So I'm really glad to have you. I'm excited to to be meeting new folks too. (laughs) And also Wendy Parsla, who I met through Innovation Women. So it's, I love that what I love about these conversations is a, I get to bring together people who don't know each other and B really have a chance to dive into a topic to help people. And I mean, teamwork without our team, what do we have? We have nothing. We need to all be rowing the boat in the same direction. Uh, but before we dive in, I would love for you all to introduce yourselves. I was going to say better, but basically all I said was you're awesome, but also to share why this topic uh, speaks so dearly to you. So let's start with you, Darlene. Um, welcome. Please share who you are and why you're here and why Teamwork Yay. Yes. Hi. Thank you, Deb, so much for having me. I am thrilled to be here with all of you tonight. 
And yeah, so my name is Darlene Holly. I have ran my own business now for 17 years. I've had a business coaching practice for 17 years. And a few years ago, I missed the teamwork piece, the team building piece to my business because my background prior to starting my business was retail management. And so I started working in leadership and communication training where we really get clear on the internal conversations that are happening with our teams, as well as the external communications that's happening, the sales conversations, the the conversations with vendors and future colleagues and different things like that. And I really wanted to have a space where we could work on our inner critic, identify like what are those sensations that are coming up in our body when we go and speak? What is our message? Are we being succinct and clear and having clarity with that? And then what does our presence look like? And are we actually calling people to take action when we speak? And so those are all things that I love to work with my teams on and really, you know, that vocal empowerment system that allows us to show up and be seen. Awesome. And it really, you need to bring all of you to any situation in order for everyone to get the best results. Yes, absolutely. Fantastic. Well, happy to have you here. And Christy, welcome. Great to see you. Likewise. Good to see you. So please share who you are and, and, and why this conversation. So Christy Maxfield, I'm the owner and president of Purpose First Advisors, and we work with small businesses to help them improve profitability so everybody gets paid, gets paid well, and gets paid consistently. Um, teamwork, the only way to scale a business is with other people. Uh, there's really no way you can do it. Uh, on your own. Um, there's nothing wrong with a lifestyle business, but if scaling is your goal, then you'll be working with a team. And quite frankly, even if it's not your goal, there's probably folks you need to work with and work with well uh, to take your business at least to, to whatever level it is that you want. So I I work a lot with organizations, uh, businesses that are in growth mode and growth mode means teamwork. It, and it's really the difference between working your business or working for a company is you just have more bosses if you have your own business. <laughs> well, yes, you have your clients, you have all your employees, you've got your vendors, et cetera, et cetera. I'm sure Darlene and Wendy can speak to that too. Um, but it, inevitably, I'm having conversations about people and processes in order to maximize profitability. Of course, there's pricing and so many other things too, but getting the right people doing the right thing at the right time, the same way in a consistent manner and having actually enjoying the work they're doing and working well together, that's that's a job unto itself. Absolutely. And the whole reason, well, one of the reasons I do this is, you know, everybody deserves to love some, if not all of you your life, right? So if you are working, whether for yourself or for other people, find a way to love what you're doing or find something else that you're going to love because that energy is going to impact the business. For sure. Awesome. Wendy, welcome, welcome. Thank you. Hello, I'm Wendy Parslow and I'll tell you what I do through a story. Last year, um, I was really reflecting on what I wanted to a look at for the next half of my career. I did a lot of introspection. And from that introspection, I um, discovered just how much I love developing leaders and supporting leaders in their in their journey and and creating teams that allow leaders to thrive. And so I set a really bold goal 
to help 1 million people be better leaders over the next 15 years. It took me six months to tell anyone that goal because anytime you say it out loud, it becomes real, right? <laughs> um, and and so that shows up in a handful of ways. Um, it certainly shows up in the content I build on LinkedIn. I'm a community builder, so I built a local uh, networking group for women in, in my area. And it also shows up in my day-to-day work. And um, that, that my day-to-day work has changed a bit. I have a background in the outdoor industry and ran um, outdoor programs and adventure travel trips, um, uh, the operations for them at a national level. And um, But I am in a career transition this year and looking for my next senior leadership gig. Um, and I'm focusing on operations or people operations. So that's where I'm at. And I'm very passionate about um teamwork and team building, because I've seen it when it works well. And I've seen the outcomes, um, both in like business outcomes, but also in people outcomes and their satisfaction with their job and their journey and applying their passions and their skills in such a powerful way. It, it, when things, well, when things work, it's obvious when things don't work, it's really, really obvious. So why not put yourself in these positions to build teams where everybody is contributing, but also passionate about what they're doing, because that's only going to improve the results for everybody. So I, I'm going to start with the softball, but I feel like we need to define teamwork. So what is teamwork? Don't all jump at once. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, well, do we have the like the dictionary? We need like the Webster dictionary version of it. But okay, <laughs> when, we need that one. Yeah. <laughs> when I think of teamwork, I just think of people coming together with a like a, a culture and a vision and a mission and a direction of where they're going, and everybody, not necessarily always on like the exact same page, but people are bringing different pieces into the teamwork. They all are bringing their their skill sets, their life experiences, their creativity. And, you know, each of us were born and raised in different households and grew up in different cities. And we have all these different, you know, backgrounds and things that we bring to it. How do we bring all those pieces together so that everybody can be included? Everybody can be heard. Everybody's got their piece to the puzzle, so to speak, where they're able to bring that that vision come to life. And that's kind of what I think about when I think of teamwork. Love it. I would add to that that um, everybody knows what they're contributing. Like there, there's a sense of like I know who I am. I know the skills I bring to the table, and I now ha- I know how they complement with those others on on the team. And and there's a shared sense of purpose, like you said, Darlene, that um, uh, allows people to kind of rally rally around and and apply their skills. Mm, love that. Nice. And- the definition, uh, as far as the Googles will tell us, is a combined action of a group of people, especially when efficient or effective and effective, um, which doesn't really tell us all that much. Mm-hmm. And what I find often is that we're rewarded for being individual performers. Oh, That's how we get. Oh, sorry, my dog has decided to vocalize. My apologies. Um, wants she to be, like her, she wants to be part of the team. Um, nope. Okay, so my husband's going to grab her. And while he does, I will say that um, we get rewarded for being individual performers. And when we're asked to be part of a team, what we're saying is we need you to bring those skills, but we also need you to understand how your skills complement and amplify the skills of others so that we can achieve something bigger than ourselves. And so that, that shared purpose, that clarity of purpose process 
um, and uh, role and really knowing how we're contributing, being recognized for the contributions we make and also feeling a certain degree of, of challenge and growth in that role. So when we're working together, um, it takes a lot to, to actually make all those really great individual performers work in a way that's efficient and effective, but also um, satisfying and, and desirable. That working together piece um, reminds me of, I used to have a saying in one of my old teams, it's like one plus one equals three. Um, and in the sense of that, you there's something bigger that happens when you bring people together versus if you have individuals do separate parts. And, and that is really important when you have very complex, very challenging situations that you have to encounter. And if we know anything about the marketplace right now, that is just like par for the course right now. <laughs> We yeah. are living in constant ambiguity. Um, I, I I heard uh, a, a scenario um, recently in a podcast that was like, you know, back in the 70s and 80s, it was like you could anticipate one big event happening a year that you would have to adapt to and things like that. And then it moved into two big events a year. Now, since the pandemic or right before the pandemic was maybe three, and now it's multiple, once a quarter or more events that you have to navigate and adjust to. And there's something really powerful if a team is really in sync in their ability to navigate and adjust to those things that happen. And and that's and and the team can do that if they're working really well together. All such great points. So how do we build this team? Right? Our teams made or born or a little bit of both. Well, they're most definitely made. Nobody, I don't think I, I mean, I'm a firstborn. So I, you know, I have lots of opinions about my three siblings, <laughs> but I don't think anybody comes into this world prepared to, uh, to, to work uh, together in a team. That being said, I think we, you know, as a species know, we can't survive alone. So there's this desire to figure out who we are and, differentiate ourselves and be known and recognized for what we're really, really good at. Um, and then we learn and unlearn parts of teamwork all along because a lot of things we're taught in formal education don't necessarily help us be effective team members. Um, so I would say, I'd say they're made. They might have some, they're, they're you know, some basic human needs that pull us together that make us want to work in concert, that fulfill us emotionally and intellectually, but in terms of actually optimized, I, I think they're made. Okay. Wendy, um, yeah. Darlene. You, it, while you were talking, Christy, you made me think of yesterday, I had the, the great honor privilege, I don't know what to call it, but my daughter and I went on a mommy me date to San Diego. We went and saw the women's soccer wave team play in the last home game of the season and at the end of it they ended up winning the game two to zero and they found out that they were going to the championship to the playoffs and watching that team come together and I watch soccer three times a week I have little ones my husband coaches I'm I'm at the soccer field all day long and it was amazing to watch the team come together and how they executed their plays how they knew when to pull back how they knew when to go forward. And it's definitely something that you can tell they fed off of each other. They made this team together. They played off of each other. They learned each other's skill sets. They knew who was strong and what, 
probably who was weak and what. I didn't see a lot of weakness last night, but I'm sure they had their moments when they were out there on the field. And so I think when we watch teams come together and we see how they play off of each other and they learn from each other, most of us do like I, I'll speak for myself. I wa- I learn from watching other people do things. I learn really well. Sometimes I don't have the question, I don't have the answer, and I will watch what other people are doing, and that's when I can really see my strengths start to shine. Is because I'm learning from other people, and I'm also putting my trust and my faith and w- like leaning into what other people are doing. And I think when we when we bring these teams together, we're making them, we're creating them from scratch in so many ways. We don't always have all the right answers, but when we come together and we ask questions and we get curious and we get playful, I think a lot of beautiful things start to come out of that when it comes to those teams. Darlene, to your point of um, being able to see um, uh, see other people working well and they're seeing their strengths come out and everything, I, I think that, um, to, and, and to the question of like, how do you create it? are they born or made or how do you create it? And I definitely think that they're, they're made. Um, and I think it comes from two things. One, um, leading others and leading yourself. And, and what I mean by that is that in order for people to see, um, strengths, you have to model those strengths or you have to model what you want from a team and you have to put yourself out there. And that could come from a leader who's like officially in the hierarchy, or it could come from a team member who's, who's a colleague and a peer and things like that. And, and, and that exposes like what good teamwork can look like. And then you also have to lead yourself. Like you have to be intentional about putting your strengths out there. You have to be intentional about, um, being self-aware, um, uh, working on your self-awareness and and asking for feedback and things like that. And and, and that just creates really fertile ground for a, a team to flourish if, if you're leading in those ways, both modeling and then also leading yourself and, and, and um, working on your own self-awareness. I am so with you, like 200% on that. Well, and so the D and the Deb method is determine your mission because you can't get what you want unless you know what that is. So that the self-awareness, the self-inventory for anybody on the team, I think is really important for when you put a team together. Yeah. And I think it's important to also be self-aware of your own weaknesses. Um, quite a few years ago, I uh, got a job that I was overseeing um, a group of people that had a specialized skill set that I didn't have. And, and it was, it was a, quite a promotion for me. And I was a little bit nervous and, and, and it was a new challenge and everything. And I remember our first staff meeting, I sat in front of them and I said, you guys have this amazing skill set. And I'm going to be totally honest. I don't have it, but here's what I do have. You're, you're going to go X, Y, Z. I'm going to go LMNOP. <laughs> and so my job is to help you be successful. And that was really, um, a big step for me to like model vulnerability in that. And, and, and also it, it, I look upon that moment because that has been just a characteristic of my leadership journey is learning how to be thoughtfully vulnerable and using it as a model to help build really, really good teams. And, and that moment I think was also powerful for that group because it was a new team. It was a, it was a new function they were doing and they needed to be rooted in something that someone had their back and was going to give them what they needed to succeed in doing the awesome work that that they had. And so that like sense of like vulnerability and, but also confidence with your own strengths and vulnerability and your weaknesses is, is really important to model, to support 
great teams. I, I love that mixture of confidence and vulnerability because those are words that you normally do not put together. <laughs> um, and I think, well, as much as this is a conversation about teamwork, it is also about leadership because you need all the pieces together. And teams need leaders, honestly. I mean, even self-managing teams, there's a clear understanding of who's doing what and how it's getting done and who's responsible and how we're accountable and how we're accountable to each other. And I think the thing I've noticed, I did my startup, my first startup, and then an MBA, and then started Purpose First Advisors. And even with all the HR classes I had to take, nobody really taught me that my primary job as a leader is to help people, like Wendy said, be their very best, which means that 90% of my job is to be tuned into them and having meetings with them and conversations with them and being supportive and finding ways to help train and elevate. Also getting out of their way and not inadvertently screwing something up by trying to be um, helpful when it's the help isn't needed. Um, and most managers, most leaders, most people who find themselves responsible for the performance of teams aren't really given the opportunity to spend the majority of their time taking care of those teams. They're trying to balance being an individual performer and leading and managing teams. So I think if we could get super honest with ourselves about what the role of a leader in the organization is, um, they're truly there to amplify and and create the opportunity for other people to do way more than they could ever do on their own. And those folks, their success is their success. And if we could see that 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 is their individual performance. Their individual performance is their ability to mobilize that team and achieve goals and be accountable and create innovation and do all of those things. Um, if that was clear on the side of senior management and clear on the side of managers themselves, I think we, we wouldn't have people so, so frustrated with, wow, I wish people would just get their get out of their feelings and do work. People aren't going to get out of their feelings and do work. They're going to bring their feelings and all themselves to the work. And your job is to help them find the best ways to excel in those scenarios. Or if they are not willing, ready, and able to find other opportunities where they might flourish more fully. Yeah. And one of the one of the things I'm really passionate about is bringing communication training into organizations and not starting at the top with the senior CEO leaders, but actually starting in the middle with like middle management or your rising leaders inside the organization. Because what I've seen over the years is so often we train those senior leaders and it only trickles down so far. It doesn't ever, we in a perfect world, it would trickle all the way to the bottom, right? We start with the top and everybody teaches everybody and it goes down. But that's not really what happens inside of organizations. But when we start having these conversations with the rising leaders and the middle management, it actually starts to trickle down to the team, the employee, like the, the, the I want to like the, everybody in the organization. And it also starts going up to those leaders as well. So when we think about how do we get more teamwork, how do we or how do we bring more teamwork into the environment and get everybody on the same page? I think if we start with that middle section it actually does so much good for the whole entire organization and more people start to thrive. More people start to rise up. They start to take on that leadership role and they're getting into leadership roles 
because they're showing their leadership skills early and often because they're getting the skill set, the training. They have the confidence to come in and they're more vulnerable with their team members and their colleagues. And they start to really show who they are and they start to shine in those lights. Every conversation that I've had on leadership on the show has found a way to dive into communication. (laughs) So I really love that you brought that up. If you can communicate, you can thrive, you know, especially end of sentence. Um, I did competitive public speaking all through college. And I always say that that, that trains you for anything. Cause if you can talk, you can communicate you can um, inspire people to action. Yeah. Well, we communicate with everybody, whether right. it's inside of an organization and it's, you know, the the people, people above us, our employees, our teammates, if it's our spouse, if it's our kids, if it's our best friend, if it's our colleagues, like we use communication every single day. And if we can become effective at how we communicate, it solves so many problems. Like think about our relationships outside of the workplace. If we could just have a nice, great conversation and know how to walk into it without, you know, um, our blood pressure high, our emotions are high, the feelings are feeling all the feels. Like we don't want those things to happen. How do we keep ourselves in a place where we're having an effective conversation? And it's not a hard conversation. It's daring. It's brave. It's actually coming to the table and being curious and asking questions to the other person and not just assuming that we know the answer when we walk into that meeting. Because how many times we walked into a meeting and we're like, oh, I already know what they're thinking and what the problem is. And I'm just going to tell them what to do. And we're going to solve this. That doesn't work for very many of us, especially in this day and age. Like we need to be able to come in with an open mind and ask those questions, ask the hard questions and sit back for ourselves and listen. When was the last time you sat back and listened? (laughs) Wendy. Charlotte, that makes me think of one of the best teams that I was on. Um, One of the characteristics of that team was two things. One, just rampant curiosity. And two, really coming to the table, um, believing that people have the best intentions. And, And sometimes... That's not always true, but most of the time it is. And and curiosity and believing that people have the best of intentions um, produces better work, produces better working relationships, produces better outcomes, and makes you more fulfilled as a human being. And and those there's it's just they're so key to to building great relationships between teams. And team norms is the is a structured way, a structured communication tool to really say the the quiet parts out loud. You know, if there's things you need in that meeting, if you're I'm a I'm a fast processor. I and I like to process verbally, right? So, but I also need to lean out and create space for others to speak. And I need to respect that other people are gonna need to go away, think about it, and come back. So in a fast-paced environment where we need to produce on a deadline, how do we honor those things? How do we create norms at the beginning about how we're going to come prepared to work together, how we're going to come prepared to uh, provide feedback for each other, um, how we like to communicate, when we like to communicate. Like the, it, It's never a good time to like 4 o'clock. I don't know anybody who's at their best at 4 p.m. when, you know, tech, but there are a few. I think, you know, there's a book out there. I did Daniel Pink. I believe it was Daniel wrote a book called when, and I think there's something like 
10 to 30% of the population actually thrives on a very different calendar, uh, clock than the rest of us. So there are a few folks out there for whom four o'clock would be a great time for a conversation, but not me. Um, and so if we need to have some brave conversations or deep conversations or conversations where we just talk about the truth, like, hey, something's not working. That's the truth. It's not working. So what are we going to do about it? How are we going to figure it out? How are we going to get back on track? Um, meeting norms and, and just saying those things that you need out loud. Um, so important. So I, I'm laughing over here because, yes, we do go live at 4 p.m. Pacific every Monday. I'm at, six, I'm at 6 Central, so we're already way past. Way past. Um, the norm. I've had a little snack. My husband's making dinner. And we're not having a challenging conversation from the standpoint of like, Chris, do you need to get some real feedback on what's been going <laughs> on? If you really want to have that conversation with me or you need me super creative, like coming up with new ideas, things I haven't thought about and wrestled with and dealt with on a regular basis for 4 p.m. Anybody's time probably is not the best, but. I, I apologize for picking four o'clock. I didn't mean to you, well, actually, but the reason that I picked four o'clock because I've been doing this show uh, for more than three years now. So this was my first pandemic project, um, starting Gold Chat Live, and I wanted to choose a time that was centrally pretty good for anybody. Well, except for the people across the pond who every now and then I do have someone who comes and talks at midnight. But the purpose being what is a good time at the end of the day to regroup and motivate people, which I think this time on a consistent basis. So that's why I think um, I love this time of day, but to your point, everybody knows when their best time of day is for whatever tasks, you know, what is good for the admin stuff? What is good for creativity? What is good for diving into a project? I think that also goes back to knowing yourself, but when you know your team, then you could bring the people together for these conversations at optimal times. Yes. I backpedaled well from that, didn't I? <laughs> well, and optimal times. I mean, that's sort of, it is like you also just, this stuff takes time mm -hmm. and it, unless you honor the fact that it takes the time it takes to communicate and, and relate and interact, um, it's real hard to get teams working really well together without having that time for those things to happen. But it also takes time to get machines to work well. You know, I mean, uh, you're not going to automate. Everything takes time. So let's just honor the time yeah. it takes to do it. When, when we think about the communication piece too, especially if we're talking to a teammate at work and we need to have a, one of those daring conversations, setting the stage for it, letting them know, hey, Wendy, I need to have a conversation with you about X, Y, and Z and LMNOP. And are you available tomorrow at say 11 o'clock? I'd love to sit down and have a coffee chat with you and go over a couple of these things. And now we just set the stage for, I have a chance to really think about what I want to say to Wendy when we have that conversation tomorrow at 11. Wendy knows the conversation's coming. She's going to have a chance to prepare for it, kind of make some mental notes about, oh, this is what I'm thinking where the conversation's going to go. And it takes away some of that surprise element. Because I think so often with teams, we, you know, we walk into somebody's office or cubicle or we get on a Zoom call these days and... We just start having the conversation and we're like, hey, Wendy, I need to tell you this thing. And we just like 
verbally vomit the conversation all over them. And if you're not prepared for it and you're not ready for it, that's when emotions get high. And that's when it is really stays in that hard conversation where if we really set the stage for what we're doing and when we're going to have that conversation, it changes the dynamic. We come with a different perspective. We both have had a chance to noodle and get ready for that conversation. And I think if more teams brought that element into it and really set it up for, like it'll set you up for success when you say, we're gonna have this conversation. Here's when we're gonna have it. Here's what the topic's gonna be. I can't wait to talk to you about it tomorrow instead of going into it right in that moment. Okay, so here's a question. And I love that by the way, but how do you make it not a, we need to talk scenario? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think it's more, and I think, I mean, it kind of is a we t- we need to talk scenario. It's realistically, it's like, hey, Wendy, I'm going to pick, keep picking on Wendy because we're having this conversation with Wendy tomorrow at 11. But if I let Wendy know, like if I was to say, Wendy, I'd like to talk to you about something you said today on our go live with Deb. Um, you really got me thinking about something and I'd love to discuss it further with you. Do you have, are you available tomorrow at 11 o'clock? Would that work for you? Okay, so when you frame it as a positive conversation, then it loses that sense of dread because we've all had that. We've all yeah. had that meeting, right? I mean, one yeah. of my husband's rules is he can't call and say, I'm okay. Like he can't start the conversation there because my mind goes to the worst case scenario, right? And it, and when we were, you know, first dating, he did have the, we need to talk. And, and without any other context, you only go to the bad. Yes. Right. So it's the context. It's not necessarily that it's always going to be a good conversation, but don't leave me hanging. Don't be like, because I'm going to, I'm going to make up stuff in the absence of information. I'm going to create a story and it's not going to be a good one. So give me some framework. Everything Darlene said was uh, there's something has triggered a conversation or even just, Hey, that deadline, we missed that deadline. Um, and we so we need to understand what happened and how we don't do that again. Can we talk about that at eleven? Right. That's absolutely. I'm not asking for excuses. I don't want excuses. I want to understand like the reality of the situation is we missed a deadline. So now, how if we need to understand what happened or didn't happen in order to avoid that situation in the future? Great, but. The fact of the matter is, is we agreed to have it done by the state and it's not done. Let's, let's figure this out. And when you think about all these situations that could go wrong and giving feedback or create tension between team members, these are all frictions or barriers that get in the way of producing amazing results and having a satisfactory work life. And I love what Christy, that you mentioned a while ago about team norms, because that's what team norms do. They help you like just get all the icky stuff kind of worked out and everybody aligned on how you're going to do it. And then you can think about the really important stuff. And and that could be as deeply as like our team norm is we are going to know how each of our team members likes to receive feedback. And when we have to give them feedback, we're going to, we're going to honor that, that need. Right. Or that could be as complicated as that, or it could be as simple as When I respond tentative to a meeting, I explain why I'm responding tentative so that you're not hanging out there wondering, are they coming? Are they not? Like, I need them, you know, and, and, and sometimes those little like meeting rules or like norms and things like that, they just create all these little frictions and all those little frictions add up. And when you just get them out of the way in the beginning, 
by aligning on team norms, and it doesn't have to be a long list, could be a handful, you know, five or six or something like that. All of a sudden, your like mental energy, um, your emotional energy is really freed up to do the creative great work that you are hired to do and with along with the team. And you can also then it gives you this tool to go back. And it's like, I'm not saying that Christy has a, a, a character flaw because she can't remember to put a note about why she replied tentatively to this meeting. What I can say is, hey, Christy, we agreed at the beginning that we wouldn't leave each other in the dark about this. You consistently don't give me a little note that clues me into what's going on. So what's going on? <laughs> like, is this, do we, do we need a reminder? Is this more of a, a fundamental disagreement with this norm? What's going on? You know, cause um, that gives us something else to reference because that was a sort of co- of a covenant between us. And I want to talk about why the covenant's not working, not you're a bad person and you did a bad thing. Yeah, I love that because part of team norms being successful is how you're all going to agree to address them when you fail at them, because everybody's going to fail at them. <laughs> and yeah. so what, how, how can you like, how, so it doesn't feel like, ooh, did anybody see I did that? Oh, I didn't mean to. It's more like, hey, I did it. Or, hey, I noticed this happened. Is this the right team norm still? Is it not? Is it, what can we do to help you be successful? You know, and it just creates this like open dialogue. And then it's the issues aren't taboo. They're, they're like, it, it creates a co- sense of comfort with the team and, and openness that, that then builds trust and respect with each other. That really is important when you're tackling the really difficult issues that come your way as, as a team. Yeah. The, the thing that, that you're touching on now is it's not personal, it's professional, but it always feels personal right? Even when it is professional. So any little, and it goes back to communications, any things that you can put into the conversation. So you're on as even keel as you can be, I think is super helpful and productive. Yeah. Part of what I, what I do with my clients is we do lots of role plays. And so as you're going into those conversations too, because sometimes we have all the nerves and the sensations and we can say things that are can be taken out of context, especially when we've never heard ourselves say the, the sentence or the statement before. So I have my clients role play what those hard conversations are going to sound like before they even go into having them. And it could be, you know, walking and talking around your living room or in your office or while you're driving into work that day. Practice saying some of the things that you want to say to your coworker in those conversations and embody them. Have it. So it feels more natural when you get in there versus it just being like, you said this at the meeting or you made me feel like this or whatever is coming up for that conversation. But how do we get to a place to when we when we open up our mouth and we start to speak, we feel confident that we're going to communicate our message clearly. And we also know that the point is getting across the way that we intended it to, not in a way that makes somebody feel guarded or um, attacked in that moment. You just tripped over one of my my landmines is the way you go into conversations. When you go into them with an open mind, with the result being a positive, good one, you are more likely to have a positive, good result. When you go into it with dread, you're going to make that dread happen. So whatever you need to do to put yourself in the mind frame to have a positive conversation with the result that works for everyone 
is going to benefit yeah. everyone. And clarity is kindness. So I have a few clients who, two owners of a company, they're really super great guys and they want to make sure everybody feels appreciated and respected and all these wonderful things. And when it's time to have a hard conversation, sometimes they're so nice that people don't realize that they've just been reprimanded. Right. Um, And it's a problem. Because then they walk away going, wasn't I clear? And the answer is no, you really weren't, right? Like (laughs) um, if you were so overly kind or so overly, I always want you to be kind. I always want you to be kind. I also want you to be clear that this is what's not working. These are the things we need to, you know, this is what successful performance looks like. This is what being part of this team looks like. I have to be able to describe it. I have to be able to tell a story about it, about when I see it, when I don't see it. And then the person I'm working with needs to also then be willing to go on the journey of trying to improve, be willing to take those steps because the people can be capable of doing things. They can be skilled at doing things, but if they don't like or don't want to do those things, there's, there is an upper limit to coachability. Um, it doesn't happen often, but it happens. And so I would say being really clear, communicating clearly and kindly, and knowing that clear is kind and specific, specific, being specific is kind. Um, that to me is so important. And just think about what you want the outcome of that meeting to be. Do you want to come out right? Or do you want to come out working better together? Do you want to prove a point? Or do you want to move this project and this relationship to another level? Because what you want out of the meeting is as important as the mindset that you go in with. And I think to follow up on that, um, it's like what you want. And then also, how do you want to be perceived in that meeting? And what is the impact that you, um, you the intention of your impact that, that you want to have on that person? And whether it's like, I'm going into this um, and I want them to think that I trust them, that I have confidence in them, that I'm their partner, that I'm excited to work with them. I'm going in to think that they need, they, they need to know the seriousness of the situation, but they also need to know that I have their back, you know, like the, all, all those things. Like, mm-hmm. and, and I think that's that for me, when we think about that mindset, Deb, you talked about with, um, if you go into it thinking that it's going to be a disaster, then it will be a disaster. You know, um, I, 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 whenever I have anxiety about going into those really difficult conversations and spaces, um, that is something I always remind myself of like this, this is, yeah, this is a topic. This is, this is a challenging thing to go through, um, to talk through, to say. Um, but the reality is, is on the end of this, what, what do I want their impression of our relationship to be? Because that's what is lasting. And that's what's really important. And it actually makes me think of, um, you know, when we think about teamwork and building teams, we automatically go to the team that we're on, like the org chart, right? Um, and as a leader, we think about the leader of that team and who I report up through and, and how they lead my team and things like that. But I think there's just a whole other world of teamwork. And that is when we have to work cross-functionally, or if you are in a leadership position, like your team is not just the direct reports that you have. Your team is your colleagues, your other senior leaders, and, and your kind of scope of influence is bigger 
And your perception of what is important and how you drive outcomes also needs to be bigger. And um, there's that book, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Um, I'm, sure, I'm sure you guys have heard of it. Um, it's one of my favorites. Yeah, <laughs> and oh, there you go. Awesome. And uh, um, and there, it's like a, it's a fable around a mm-hmm. leadership team. And there's elements in there where these leaders are very territorial and they want to fight for their goals that they have for their team. And it's exposing how that actually is counterproductive. And, and everyone's goals are the same. We're all kind of, if there's been good vision and clarity casts around, around it. Um, and, and there's, so it doesn't become like my team against other teams. It becomes like, we're all one team and how do we play a part in that? And just personally speaking, like that's, that was a huge learning lesson for me in my own leadership journey. Um, I was very natural leader of my direct team and I had to learn how to, to be a stronger team player with those that were across the board from me or, or we were mm-hmm. doing matrix work together or, or things like that. And, and I think that taps into like, a leader's role of, of modeling thoughtful vulnerability and, and leading themselves and their own self-awareness and, and asking for help in that. Ask, how can I be a better team player to you, my colleague or my peer or my senior leader or, or, or things like that? And it's amazing when you ask those questions and get brave with that, um, the things you can learn um, about your strengths and also your opportunities as well. Well, we're talking a lot about teamwork and I think this is the first, well, not the first time, but the word work is in teamwork. You know, the essence of it is you need to do the things to make sure everybody is on the same page. And I also love what you're talking about, your team being more than your team. Your team's everywhere. You can go to the store and the person who's checking you out is part of the team helping you fulfill that need to get whatever. So it, it it's so beyond ourselves. What is, and we're going to jump into goals in a minute, but what is the one thing that, um, that you wish people knew about teamwork that it's like, what is that like secret thing? One liner. And, and I'll, I'll go to Christie's clarity is kindness. What, what is just like a one rule of teams that you think uh, needs that underline and exclamation point? The first thing that popped my in my head is that there's no I in team <laughs> for like a short little quick one. Like so uh, it's so like so often we think about ourselves and what we're trying to get out of working with the team and working with other people. But I think when we switch it and we really look at like, how can I support the the other people on my team? How can I ask them what they need? How can I be there for them? How can I communicate what I need, but also, you know, pull the information I need from them out from them so that we can really come together and move forward in that way. There's probably tons of little quick teamwork ones. That's the first one that popped in my head, though. (laughs) I love that. Uh, So, Wendy, what do you think? What came to my mind was um, discomfort opens doors. And what I mean by that is um, there's probably a sense of anxiety or dread that we all have about engaging in a certain topic, conversation, or sticky subject with a fellow team member. And I've always found that if I avoid that, because I don't want to deal with the anxiousness or this, like, it just gets worse, you know, and it doesn't solve anything. But when I lean into it thoughtfully, and I, and I, I come 
really open to work through and to learn, um, it actually leads to things that I never would have dreamed of and, and, and makes our outcome that much better and, and creates like these building blocks of, of how a team can just the flywheel of a team and its effectiveness can just keep going and going, going. So discomfort can open doors. Awesome. So Christy, are, uh, do you want to go with a different one? Or are we? Are well, I would add to- that hum- we are humans working with humans, right? So, and remembering everyone's humanity um, respecting that and uh, really taking that into consideration. A colleague of mine, uh, Jeanette Wade, wrote a book called The Human Team and the subtitle is, so you formed a team and then a, and a human showed up um, because, you know, we really, we want teams to work like machines in and not in the AI way, right? But in that you're going to do this and I'm going to do this and then we're going to do this together. And then, and I mean, humans be humans. Maybe that's it actually like humans be humans and embrace that part. It's messy. It's unpredictable. It's emotional. It's also really fulfilling and, and inspiring and people can do things together that many of us can't even imagine on our own. So you know, but it, but come to terms with the humans, be humans and, and show up prepared to get, get into that. I, well, it's, it reminds me of something that, that Wendy was talking about earlier is you want to be strong and vulnerable at the same time. So leaving yourself open to those very human conversations, but also show the strength and the confidence that goes with it. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, I don't know about you folks, but I, I probably have six or seven assessments in my draw, drawer from different points in my career where people tried to figure out the team dynamic. Are we ENTJs? Are we Enneagram 8s? Are we, what are we and how do we work well together? But I always, I, I never really appreciated what they were telling me about myself. And there was never a really systematic way of using that information after it was given to us. And it's only in moving out of those employment roles into owning my own business where I'm like, oh, this is how this is useful to me. And this is how it would be useful to my clients to have this information about their teams too. But the piece you really have to invest in is the understanding and the implementation, the application of that knowledge, not just the I now have a new thing. I'm a high D, you know, um, <laughs> in a disc scenario. Unless you, unless both of us, myself and everybody else I'm working with, understands what that means, it's not really a great, useful piece of information, and it didn't help us grow. But with that information, it, t- it touches on all of the things Darlene and Wendy were talking about as well. Like, how are we going to communicate? When are we going to communicate? What are we going to communicate? How are we going to be understood or not understood? I mean, it's time of day is the easy thing, right? Yes. <laughs> um, everything else gets filtered through everything we bring with us into the workplace, which is usually some really bad experiences um, that trigger us when we're under stress. Um, and so how are we going to show up when the, the best part of us may not be showing up at that very moment? 
And that that makes me think of this the broader concept of creating inclusive workplaces. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 beyond the strengths we bring to the table or the certain personality or whatever. It's also like the story of our background and our identities and who we are. And 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 like the more we create spaces to to learn about those identities and, and our backgrounds and things like that, and and the more like we step into the discomfort and are welcomed with like reciprocated honesty and things like that, the more we create trusting um, environments for, for people to bring themselves in an authentic way um, to a team. And, and if I were to think about like, why beyond creating business outcomes or whatever, why do we even have teams? You know, like I, I, I think that there's something very powerful that happens when one human feels respected and trusted by another human and they're super different and and maybe one plus one equals four in that case <laughs> that's what the data says right when you have diverse teams you know and, and 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 when you create that inclusive work environment it's it's just super powerful well it's a shame you all don't feel more passionate about this subject matter <laughs> oh what a- what I would love for you all now to do now is to gift a goal to our audience. So what is something that they can do today, tonight, tomorrow to either be a better leader, better team member, human, you know, I will, I, I love leaving these conversations vague, but what goal uh, would you like to gift? And I think we're going to start with you, Christy, since you've done this before. Um. I think what I want folks to do is really um, to think about how you want to show up and how you want to show up is the leader of a team or teams, but also how you want to show up as a participant in a team. We put a lot of emphasis on leaders and what their role is, but I would say for anybody listening, whether you're typically at the front of the room or not, um, spending some time reflecting on how you want to show up as part of a team and what you want to contribute and what you want to learn and uh, what you want that experience to be like. Love that. Really good goal. Darlene, what about you? What goal would you like to gift? Yeah, I think the goal I would like to gift today is to identify one of those hard conversations that maybe you've been putting off because you've been avoiding it and you've been playing ostrich, burying your head in the sand so that you didn't have to have the conversation, but go out there and schedule that conversation with somebody. Let them know what time, when you're going to do it, and really take some time to practice what that conversation is going to sound like before you go and have it so that you can set yourself up for success and have a daring, brave conversation. I love that. So uh, the daring, brave conversation is the goal, but you have to start by setting up that conversation, identify it. So that's great. Thank you, Darlene. And Wendy, your turn. Well, I have two and I'm trying to choose between them and I don't think I can. So I'm going to show, I'm going to shout out to <laughs> the first one is identify what is just a very simple, straightforward friction point that you're having on your team and work with your team to create a solution so you don't have it anymore. And, and so that you can do the good work that you are hired to do. And then the second one is um, ask yourself, what is an area of me that I can be thoughtfully vulnerable to build trust and connection with someone on my team and then go do that. 
and think about what is the environment? Is it one-on-one? Is it during a team meeting? Like what's the best environment to be thoughtfully vulnerable and go do it. That's my two. Ooh. Okay. Can you give an example of being um, comfortably vulnerable? Yeah. So I actually did it a little bit in this conversation when I, when I shared the story of one of the earlier management roles that I had, and I, I didn't have expertise in, in the area that my team did. And so me sharing the fact that I didn't have that expertise, it's a little bit uncomfortable. Like I'm the leader, I'm supposed to know what I'm doing, you know? And so I, I think that when you, when you like look back and see what are the areas where there's just a hint of discomfort or like, you feel like you have to prove yourself or you feel maybe that you aren't living up to the expectations you have for yourself. There's probably something in there. Um, one very practical way to do that is um, to identify a development goal that you have. Like I want to work on being a better communicator through email, just an example. And you go to a colleague and you say, how do you think I could be a better communicator through email? That's a very, that's a vulnerable moment for you. And it, it's thoughtful. It's not like laying all your, your dirty laundry out, you know, and, and they, they trust you more because you're being vulnerable with them. And you're also, they see that they can be vulnerable with you because you modeled it in the first place. Got it. Really good. Um, uh, all of these are really good ways to kind of take that so important self inventory and, be a better you for yourselves, for your team, for your people um, to show up and have the hard conversations and also have the conversations maybe make you squirm a little bit, but will in turn uh, make other people even more comfortable with you when you show that vulnerability. It's really, um, it's like a window, you know, share a little bit more than you're comfortable with and see what comes back. It into you, and you can build even stronger relationships that way. Ooh, what a fun conversation uh, about teamwork, leadership, communication, and all of, and the kitchen sink. Obviously, friends, where can people learn more about you, uh, Darlene? Yeah, so you can head over to darleneholly.com. I have lots of resources and tools. I have blogs, podcasts, all kinds of fun stuff that will help you step up your communication. Um, I have a free gift actually on my website. If you go just to darlingholly.com backslash training, there's a free gift, which will help teach you the 10 do's and don'ts to effective communication so that you can implement them right away into your daily life, working with your coworkers, speaking with your kids, your spouse, all the people. Nice. Thank you for that. And Christy, where can people learn more about you? They can go to purposefirstadvisors.com. And I'm pretty consistent about posting on LinkedIn. So you could kick the tires there too, and hopefully engage in some conversation. Wonderful. And Wendy, where can people find you? I have a website, wendyparslow.com, just my name. And uh, that's about my 1 million leader goal that I shared about in the beginning. And then also my career transition journey. And then I'm also active on LinkedIn. Would love to connect with folks there and have great conversations there. Fantastic. And I am at the Deb Method everywhere. And if you can, if you go to thedebmethod.com slash blog, you'll get the recap and the links. And I also put everybody's LinkedIn in the recap as well. So if this conversation is resonating with you, connect with one or all of us, just send a note that this is where you all met. 
And like I said before, that's why I love so much having these conversations because we don't know what direction they're going to go in, but it's always a fun, intriguing, slippery slope of one. So I thank you all so much, Christy, Darlene, and Wendy, for spending time with me today. And those of you, whether you are watching live or the replay or listening to us as the Deb Show podcast, good for you for prioritizing teamwork and tuning in. Um, so before we wrap, one final thought from each of you. Wendy, final thought? I will just say, um, don't underestimate the power of what a leader can do when they provide the right clarity, context, and conditions for a, a team. Ooh, when you're doing it right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> awesome. And Darlene? Yeah, I think my final thought is to keep speaking up, keep standing out, and keep making an impact in the world. Every time you use your voice, whether it's walking onto a stage or into a room or into any conversation, continue to speak up for the ideas and issues and matters that mean the most to you. Love it. Um, And Christy? Be intentional about building those teams, but also nurturing those teams, uh, creating the opportunity and environment where individuals can grow in to their role and the role they work with in working with others. It's so important. It's not just about creating it. It's, you know, feeding the plants, giving it water, nourishment, sunshine, so everybody can grow together. I do not have a green thumb. I don't know where that analogy came from, but it works. So let's go with it. Uh, thank you all again so much, Darlene Holly, Christy Maxfield, and Wendy Parslow for tuning in today. Thank you all for, for showing up, whether it's on the video or the podcast. You could subscribe at um, The Deb Method at YouTube or your favorite place where you listen to your podcast. And I will be back again next Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific with another wonderful Gold Chat Live conversation. In the meantime, again, thank you all for tuning in and for choosing your goals and to be better team members, team leaders. Go on out there, go for it because we know you can do it. Thanks for listening to The Deb Show. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Need more inspiration and motivation? Connect with me on LinkedIn, follow at The Dev Method on social media, and check out thedevmethod.com. Best of luck with your goals, and remember, you can do it. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.